podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. Just before we start, I wanted to remind you that you can read our articles, explore more podcasts, and learn about our online personal and management development programs and workshops by visiting our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, on to the podcast. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast, but... It's a little bit different this time because, as uh, regular listeners will know, we sometimes split off and, and record um, episodes uh, as guests. Uh, sorry, with guests individually. Um, and this week, Jane's done that. So, Jane, who were you speaking to today, and what did you speak about? So, this week, I had a great conversation with friend of the World of Work Project, Laura Hamilton. Those of you who listened to uh, our earlier episodes will know Laura. Uh, from our Lessons in Volunteer Management episode. It was one of our most downloaded episodes. And this week, we asked Laura to come in and talk to her, talk to us about her experience of using counselling skills in the workplace. That's pretty cool, because of course, she is a counsellor as well as a volunteer manager. Yeah, so uh, it's really interesting because Laura's by nature is a volunteer management consultant. And so she works in volunteer management and then helping other volunteer managers do their work and, and strategize. Um, but she also, as a sort of side experience, qualified as a counsellor a couple of years ago. So she's been she's relatively newly qualified. And the conversation is really an exploration of her experience of sort of learning these new skills and then recognising that they had a place in the workplace. That's pretty cool. Well, let's get into the conversation. I look forward to seeing what it was all about. Hi, and welcome to the main conversation in today's World of Work podcast. Uh, I'm joined here today virtually by friend of the show, Laura Hamilton. Laura, would you mind introducing yourself to the audience and saying a little bit about what you do? Hi, Jane. So thanks for having me here today. Um, So my background is working in the charity and not-for-profit sector um, with a specific focus on leading and managing volunteers. And I now run my own business providing consultancy and training um, around improving volunteer involvement and engagement within organisations and um, offering mentoring and training programmes for volunteer managers and people who lead volunteers. That's brilliant. And we've actually had you on the podcast before because we've talked about the lessons that we can learn from volunteer management in people management more generally in work. But today Mm. we've actually got you on because you also have kind of another area of developing work that you've uh, you've been developing over the last couple of years? Yeah, so um, back in 2016, I started training as a relationship therapist. And um, I now, well, I qualified about a year and a half ago. And I work with couples and with individuals, um, offering therapy around relationship, um, around relationship issues. Um, so I guess for me, the process of um, training and achieving a different type of qualification um, to the to the work that I've normally done um, has been an interesting process and actually just seeing how that um, dovetails and fits with volunteer management and with leading um, leading and managing people within organizations has also has also been interesting. Yeah and this is probably a good time to launch my disclaimer that Laura was one of the people in my life that inspired me to go back and do my master's my MSc in organizational psychology because she had kind of gone off and started exploring other avenues as well and looking at how they could help her work but we wanted to have a chat with you because we think um, James and I were talking about how um, counseling skills in themselves are a really interesting concept 
And we wanted to explore a little bit whether it's uh, your recent qualification has ever sort of impacted in your volunteer manager work and your general Mm -hmm. workplace. But before we start, be really Mm -hmm. helpful. When we talk about counselling skills, what what do you mean by that? What do what do what generally do people mean by that? So I guess there's there's a couple of ways that we can we can kind of define it. So um, if we look at um, a kind of official definition, as it were, um, that comes from the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy, they they talk about counselling skills, particularly kind of within a workplace context, as being a combination of values, ethics, knowledge, and communication skills that are used to support another person's emotional health and well-being. And they talk about those skills as not being the exclusive preserve of somebody who's actually a counsellor, who's actually in the in the role of a counsellor. Um, and they kind of emphasise that they can be um, used by people in a wide range of other roles as a way of enhancing their primary role um, and, you know, in a way that's appropriate to the setting that they're in. So I guess that's a kind of a kind of official definition. Um, and I guess I guess for me, I would see counselling skills as being um really about having the skills to um, make a space um, where people can talk things through um, and having the skills to um, to have a particular type of conversation with somebody um, and to create a space where particular types of conversations are possible. Um, and I think if we kind of break it down into looking at actual specific skills that you'd be using, um, they're things like active listening skills, um, responding effectively to somebody, um, showing empathy and understanding and being able to also explore and sensitively challenge um, during our conversations with people. So there's some of the kind of skills that would that you'd be drawing on. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, that the BACP also highlight, you know, around the importance of values and ethics. And I guess there's something as well about the the kind of the person that we are who is who is starting that counselling conversation or leading that counselling conversation um, and how we bring ourselves into it and our our values and ethics um, when we're doing that. Um, so that is something we need to pay attention to and to recognise as well how, how the organisational context and setting that we're in might be impacting on those, those kind of values and ethics and, and our ability to create those spaces um, to really listen to people. And it feels, I mean, that's, that's, firstly, we love a definition, so thank you for bringing that. Um, but it feels like it's a very, at first glance, if I was listening in the period of where we are at the moment recording this, which is, you know, coming out of lockdown of, of COVID in 2020, mm-hmm. um, it feels like that sounds, at first, at first listen, both incredibly time consuming, but also incredibly vital given state of workplaces at the moment and the disruption that, that's ex- being experienced is it something you think um has a place in helping teams navigate this period I mean I think the first thing to say is that I think um it doesn't have to be tremendously time consuming we all will use um some of those counseling skills in our day-to-day conversations to some extent you know I think there's been some great studies done around you know how um some of the characteristics of conversations that people have with their hairdressers for example and how there's evidence of kind of counseling skills being used in those conversations um so i think the first thing is not not to see it as something which is necessarily out with our existing experience often actually 
we will be using those skills as um, good managers, good leaders, those skills around listening to others, um, recognising and acknowledging where others are at um, and responding rather than reacting to people. Um, you know, showing empathy and compassion. Those are kind of values that are often at the heart of our work, particularly in the nonprofit sector and also in, in the corporate sector as well, you know, in terms of some organisations' values. Um, so I think it's it's not necessarily something which should be seen as completely separate to what we're doing already. Um, I think it's perhaps looking through a slightly different lens at what we're doing and perhaps just paying attention um, to how we're being in some of our interactions with colleagues and in some of our conversations. It sounds, um, you sound incredibly reflective about the role of counselling skills in the workplace. Is it something, as you went through your training um, before you became qualified, did you notice some of the knowledge and the skills that you were sort of developing sort of seeping into your volunteer management work? Did you did you begin to notice any kind of benefit to learning about these things in the way that you were thinking about volunteer management? Mm. So I guess, I mean, I think the first thing that was was really useful for me was just um, in terms of understanding um, more from a kind of theoretical perspective about what, what kind of can happen in relationships and um, what can happen in um, the social interactions between people and having some kind of... Um, theoretical frameworks I guess to hang hang some of what I was seeing or some of what I had experienced in my work with volunteers and the relationships with volunteers um you know something to hang things onto a little bit um and it, it perhaps gave me a bit more insight as well into some of the dynamics that were sometimes going on um in in my work with volunteers and in teams of volunteers or in staff and volunteer teams um and and perhaps also sometimes I think reinforced or or made me look afresh actually at the skills that I already used in the role um, and why those skills were important. So one of the one of the real insights for me and one of the kind of I guess light bulb moments was around um, this idea of kind of curiosity um, and staying curious in our relationships with others. And I think, you know, it's something we could look at it in our romantic relationships, for example, where, you know, often when we start out um, in a relationship, we're very, very curious about the other person. We're really interested. We give them our full attention. We listen to them. We delight in the things that they tell us and um, we want to understand them more. And often as time goes on, we start to predict and anticipate more and we become less curious um, and we sometimes start reacting more you know when they say the first word of a sentence rather than waiting to hear what they're really saying and I think the same can be true in our workplace relationships and you know it was definitely true in some of my relationships with with volunteers and I think um but I think that that emphasis on curiosity I found really helpful um because it's not a passive stance but it's also not a judgmental stance um and it also actually really accurately reflected for me what a lot of volunteer managers do when they're doing their role well which is that they're really they're really curious about people they're curious about volunteers lives they're curious about the different contexts of of that person's life and the skills that they bring from their different the different contexts they're curious about the person's strengths um and they're good at having creating conversations and making space where conversations can happen um 
that enable them to better understand and enable the person to better reflect on and understand um, about their skills and qualities. So I guess that that was an example really of something which you know I see when I see good volunteer managers I see them being curious about people they always have this natural curiosity and interest in people and that helps them build really great motivational relationships with volunteers and it helps them to understand better the psychological contract with volunteers as well um and suddenly I had a kind of a sort of I guess a theoretical framework that helped me to understand more about why that actually really was important and do you you obviously work as well as working directly to support organizational volunteer management you you work with volunteer managers mm. the, are the frameworks and the theories that you've learned been helpful in helping them understand how uh they can go about their their work have you found it like a useful add-on this whole separate new mm. sort of area of expertise for yourself yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably helped me perhaps explain things more clearly. So thinking about in training and things, it's it's helped me explain things more more clearly. And then there are some things which which I do share and use in training, like for example, um, some ideas from um, transactional analysis, for example, around the drama triangle, which I think can just be really helpful in terms of giving us a bit of an insight into what might be happening in some of the the difficult relationships that we have um in the workplace and you know I, I run a course which is around managing difficult conversations with volunteers and we we look at the drama triangle as part of that um as a way of perhaps understanding better what's what might be happening um in in the dynamics um with volunteers and also um what might be happening in the actual actual conversation with the volunteer um I think as well um just thinking about um really valuing um and communicating the importance and value of of actually listening to people because I think we all work in pressurized environments um where actually you know that there are multiple demands on our time and it can feel um sometimes almost indulgent to be taking the time out to listen to really listen to somebody um and I think that is something that's important when you're working with volunteers I think often a lot of the problems that come and and the difficulties that come in in staff volunteer relationships um can stem from people not feeling listened to um and not feeling heard um and and so I guess that understanding of of you know the research about why that's important um the research about why relationships are important as well could be really helpful and empowering I think to people that are managing volunteers and, and give a bit of permission actually to to invest and spend time on those relationships yeah and I think everything you talk about within the volunteer management managers context there are definitely workplaces where that would exist for general managers and for project managers as well I think in mm-hmm. in the I mean, challenges think, of that voice sorry. that you talk about sorry yeah I mean I think there's just a general I guess a general thing as well which is that you know and thinking about the the context that we're in in the moment, you know, at the moment in terms of COVID, you know, we've 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 been through a period where people have been experiencing, you know, potentially a lot of isolation or change in their in their level of social contact. Um, and I think you know that's something that's that's kind of been true in our wider society for quite a while, but it's kind of gone into an extreme form recently. Um, and actually, there's there's a real importance of um, just just creating spaces where people can actually tell their stories you know where people can actually sh- share their own stories of how they how they how they got somewhere even you know so thinking about in a workplace context like 
is the time and space to hear about what has brought in outside of the interview process like what has what has brought somebody to that to that job to that role to that career um for example or um you know how much time do we have to to listen and to check in about where people are at with with their work how much time do we have to listen to their story of of what's going on for them now in terms of thinking about if somebody's coming off furlough and they're returning to work um can we can we create the time and space to hear about how their experience has, has been of being on furlough um can we create the time and space to hear you know what their experience is around returning to work or what their experience has been of trying to juggle working at home with having kids um and I think there's some natural um, kind of things that we often do, you know, when we hear when we hear people talking about painful or difficult experiences, which can can just be that um, we we can want to kind of jump in and rescue people or we can kind of want to turn away from it or minimise that experience. And I think counselling skills can just um, you're not you're not, you know, doing therapy with somebody or actually being a counsellor, but actually just being able to listen to somebody um, and actively listen to what they're telling you um, and not not just totally shutting them down and also not rescuing them, not just trying to make it all better, um, can be really, can be really, really helpful for people um, in terms of being heard. And I think if we think about, you know, that emphasis on well-being and people's emotional health at the moment, um, it's actually also important so that as someone's line manager, potentially, you know, you're aware of where they're at and also you can potentially refer on um, to other services and support if that's if that's something that that person needs. Um, you know, I think we've we've all been in almost well. I you know I'll speak speak from my personal experience of, of lockdown, which is that at times it can feel like it's been like kind of being in a tunnel and you're kind of trying to get through to the other side of the tunnel um, when you hope you'll emerge out into um, into daylight. Um, and we can become a bit blinkered in that. And I think it's um you know it's important as people who lead and manage other people that we um you know that we we pay attention to our own self-care and also that we make sure that we're in a place when we're if we're going on to zoom with a colleague who you know we maybe haven't checked in with for some time that that we feel relaxed and open enough to be able to actually really hear what they're saying yeah and I think I think you make a, a couple of very good points there about that blinkered approach to the tunnel and just wanting to get get it done. Mm. Like, okay, so let's just get it done, get it over with. This is not a period that we've particularly loved, although there has been some definite learning and maybe even some bonuses that we didn't expect. There's definitely, you know, it's been tough on a lot of people. And I think a number of leaders, particularly the ones who have been busy in their organisations while have had staff furloughed, um, have been really focused on getting getting the act back on the road, right? Mm. And the danger of that is that they don't give the space and time for processing. And I think I think that what you talk about in terms of the employee voice and the experience is not only important that they are heard and there is active listening, but also just giving them the space to process is huge, right? Because yes. it's a transition. You know, yeah. we talk about transitions all the time and we talk about returning to work after maternity or paternity leave we talk about um changing careers we talk about retirement as a transition this is like a miniature transition right we're Mm. going from one work state to another i think yeah and i think you know there's something about just the act of talking the act of telling your story which you know can be um you know incredibly powerful in terms of helping people process things and also um 
the other thing is it's not necessarily people can sort of think that you know listening and and using counseling skills is all about hearing um about the difficulties or the um the struggles um but i would say that actually as well if we're not listening to people we also really miss out on um hearing about the resources that people have drawn on we miss out on helping people to see their own strengths and actually to recognize their own resilience as well sometimes um so you know it's also you know if we think about using like a strengths based approach um you know there can be questions that we can ask people as well which which really help people to to recognize what they've achieved in this time and to recognize what has helped them survive this time as well and in some cases to thrive during this time you know if we're not kind of making assumptions about you know what people what people will have experienced within a team people might have very varied experiences of of the current period some people may actually have found it um you know a more nourishing experience than others well, it's really interesting. I, and I always take uh, initial surveys with a pinch of salt. But there was a piece of research that I saw come out this week around some people. And it wasn't a small number either. It was a significant proportion of people reporting increased team cohesion and integration mm. during this period because people have had to find ways to understand each other's contexts at home mm. and therefore been able to adapt and support each other to meet the varying different needs of their home lives. And I think I think there's something. I think that's the danger of what management and leadership can lose if they become very task oriented mm. and moving forward focused and don't pause to take you know what do we want to take with us from this? What what's the organisational memory that we want to take and understand and learn and have as a story in the organisation? And I think you know so, something that just just thinking about that you know what's been just happening in the current period around COVID is that we've been almost forced to have to recognize the other contexts that people operate within outside of work um and and it's kind of interesting to me because i think that's something in in say leading and managing volunteers that we you know we have for a long time been been more curious about those other contexts um and exploring those other contexts as a way of understanding the person and their motivations than perhaps happens in um a traditional employee employee employer relationship so it's also interesting that out of the current period, that could be something positive that emerges, that actually there's more genuine curiosity about the other contexts that somebody is operating within and how they they how they interact with the work context. Obviously, you know, while still respecting people's right to not talk about the other contexts if they don't want to. But um, I think that is something interesting that's emerged from 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 the current time. Yeah, we did an interview with one of our um, right at the beginning of lockdown, like day two or something like that. Um, in the UK and we did an interview with um, a clinical psychologist we work with sometimes over in Canada um, Dr Abdul Raymond Reckman and um, he talked about this concept of uh, needing pretty quickly to get comfortable with new professionalism and what a new professional is and mm-hmm. how that is no longer the old staid idea of um, not being allowed to bring any of yourself to work but instead being recognised as you know a in his case psychologist um and also a father and also a person who's running a home and also you know and mm-hmm. how do we, how can we change that idea of what professional means in our head and uh allow teams and organizations like you say with whilst respecting boundaries 
with, you know, being okay and good to share the rest of you mm. because you are a whole person, not just a worker. And I think, um, I think as you, as you try and use, as one tries to use potentially some of these counseling skills that you're talking about, you build stronger and healthier relationships and give more space to share those other aspects where people are comfortable. Mm. I think, you know, there's, there's something about in our relationships that work, um, something that we can just, just do and we can just try and be more aware of is, is recognising when um, there, are op- there are opportunities for um, empathy. So this is sometimes described as like, you know, empathic opportunities. So we're in a conversation and, you know, we can we can recognise that, you know, in the conversations we have with friends, in the conversations we have with colleagues, in the conversations sometimes that we might have with somebody, you know, in a, in a shop um, or, you know, that there will be um, there will be particular points in the conversation where there are opportunities to show empathy and understanding or to be curious about what the person's experiencing and to maybe ask some open questions um and I think those opportunities they come up a lot you know if you think about in a in a line managerial relationship for example where you might be sitting down with somebody um or in the current format you know on a call with somebody um there might be multiple opportunities that come up um in in that conversation um to to show empathy to that person and also to um to invite the person to to share a little bit more about what it is that they've been experiencing. And, you know, I just recommend, I know a lot of people will have heard about open questions, but, you know, I'd just say having some good open questions in your, in your arsenal is, is really good, you know, cause, cause they just give, give an opportunity to explore more actually, rather than, rather than closing down. Um, they give, they give more opportunities for exploration. Yeah. And, if you if you imagine a workplace where counselling skills are encouraged um, to be developed, what what do you what do you think the difference can be for a workplace like that? Do you think you mentioned empathy? Do you think uh, workplaces and colleagues become more empathetic or are able to develop empathy uh, when they're supported in developing their counselling skills, or do you? Uh, do you see sort of increased levels of trust or things like that? What what can we expect from a workplace that encourages it? I mean, I guess my caveat would my caveat would be is that I haven't worked in a workplace where you know the majority of people, for example, would be um, would be trained in in counselling skills that you know who aren't counsellors. You know, at a level where mm-hmm. um, you know people are just using counselling skills in their role. Um, but I guess I think there's there's something that can be really, really helpful, um, which is just about this kind of almost um, expanding people's comfort zone to be with things that are difficult or that they might perceive to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that is about self-awareness. I think, you know, if you if you go and do a, a kind of course in counselling skills, there will be, um, you know, a significant element of it will be about developing your own self-awareness and understanding better about your own um, needs, your own patterns, what happens to you in conversations and in relationships and things. Um, And that that can then be really helpful just in terms of um, actually kind of regulating and managing our own emotional responses, which sometimes I think in the workplace can actually get a little bit out of control. You know, it can sometimes, um, we can just be kind of pinging back and forth between different people's, um, you know, emotional emotional responses to things. I think, you know, hopefully it would build better relationships. Actually, 
you know, listening to people and that kind of turning towards that is part of listening, um, you know, builds builds better relationships. It builds builds stronger relationships. It builds trust between people, um, which you would then, you know, hope would have a positive impact on things like um, team working as well. And I think, you know, counselling skills are a lot about communication and effective communication. Um, and again, you know, good communication skills are, are um, I think, really beneficial in any context, you know, in a in a home context and in a, and, and definitely in a work context as well. So being able to um, communicate sensitively and clearly, being able to challenge sensitively um, and also being able to, like I said before, being able to being able to listen and to actually show that you're listening. So like active listening skills, um, I think can all be really helpful. Um, in work yeah, and I, think, I think one of the things that strikes me is that there's so many of the things that you're talking about that have other evidence of their impact on workplaces right so if you just take relationships and relatedness and feeling part of something you know we know from self-determination theory that motivation employees uh workers motivation and satisfaction is, is massively positively correlated to their their sense of relatedness to an to the people within their organization Mm -hmm. and so you know it's just you can see it's a for me it sounds very much like it's a completely uh, related but separate set of skills that would allow you to sort of tackle some of the challenges around uh, employee engagement peer support etc just in a different way Mm -hmm. and maybe with with a more nuanced approach um, which sounds really from from lots of ways that we hear these kind of challenges being addressed in management literature and when people talk about workplace engagement and things which is much more you know as no some I suppose gung-ho would be the word I would I would phrase Um, (laughs) I think I mean I think as well it's sometimes about you know just having um some training which gives you confidence or some you know access to something which then gives you confidence that you have the skills to actually um to be able to respond effectively in a situation you know so actually you just have some generic skills which which you can apply to a a whole range of different different contexts and situations that might come up at work um and I think that's why counseling skills can can be really really helpful um and I think you know there is a there is a tension there because you're not we're not talking here about being a counsellor in in your workplace we're talking about using counselling skills um and there needs to be a recognition that you are in a you're in a prime you have a primary role which is not being a counsellor <laughs> you know so you're, you're in a pri- your primary role which might be being an HR manager um uh, or a you know a line manager or you know whatever other or a volunteer manager um and then it's about you know thinking about how you can use those skills in a way that's kind of ethical within that role um because you your role will also be bound by potentially the codes of conduct of your profession and also by the kind of um the ethos and values of your organization the policies and procedures of your organization the limits of confidentiality potentially within within your organization um so i think it's also useful to reflect you know, it's part of the process of thinking, okay, I want to use these skills more, just to actually reflect a bit on your organisational context, you know, and think about, well, actually, how are emotions um, treated in my organisation? Are they seen as, as as valid? Are they seen as a valid thing to explore? Um, what are the expectations around, you know, confidentiality in, 
in a, a conversation between um, a manager and a member of staff um, or between, you know, a volunteer and a volunteer manager. Um, so I think, you know, paying attention to the to the organisational context and setting that you're operating within it is important uh, because we're not operating in a vacuum, are we? And, um, you know, and it, and it is recognising that actually, you know, we have a primary primary role, and then we are using counselling skills within the context of that primary role that we have. Uh, I absolutely, and and that's it's like all good areas of new knowledge. We need to make sure that it's contextualised um, and appropriate, and doesn't sort of dominate what we're originally doing, which makes total sense. So, um, there will be people listening that th- that that think, oh, this is really interesting, and I think this could really help my team or my organisation. Um, what would you suggest their first steps are to thinking about how to develop people's counselling skills in their team or organisation? Mm. So I guess I mean there are there are um, there are a whole range of courses out there around around kind of counselling skills or that are um, that are informed by um, you know by by counselling and by that that approach. Um, I think a good starting point um, is having a look at, at the British Association of Counselling Psychotherapy's website because they've actually just published um, a counselling skills competency framework which is specifically around using counselling skills um, in the context of other roles. So using counselling skills in the context of, of roles where somebody isn't isn't a fully trained counsellor. Um, so I think that, that can be a good starting point. Um, and there's also potentially then also, you know, signposting to um, to relevant and appropriate courses. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, you could you could potentially bring in somebody to do some training within your organisation, um, which is, you know, focused on kind of communication skills, um, focused on um, listening skills. Um, I think it's important as well to, you know, to take the time to reflect on what the culture is at the moment within your organization around some of these things so what I don't think is is very fair is to kind of think oh we'll send one person on a counseling skills course and that's going to somehow shift the entire culture of the organization um because you know actually if if the dominant culture of the organization isn't about listening and and isn't about recognizing and valuing people's emotions or feelings um or allowing people the time to actually make space to talk with colleagues then you know, one person doing some training isn't necessarily going to shift that. So um, I think taking that time to reflect on what the culture's like at the moment and listening um, to your employee and volunteer experiences is, is really important. That's brilliant. So sadly, um, we're out of time. But before we go, uh, it would be, I know that quite often our listeners are interested in our guests and would like to hear a little bit about how they can find out more about uh, you and your work. So what's the best way they can uh, find out a little bit more about what you do? So I have a website, um, which is laurahamiltonconsulting.com. So there's information on there about the services that I offer and um, a bit more about my background and experience as well. Um, I'm also quite active on Twitter. So you can um, follow me on Twitter. Uh, my um, my Twitter handle is at L-A-U-H-77. So, um, yeah, come find me on Twitter and I'm also on LinkedIn as well. So um, feel free to connect with me as well on LinkedIn. Um, and I guess I'm just really interested in, I'm, I'm really interested in this kind of interface between um, between counselling and um, 
and the workplace and also um, and different professional contexts. So it's a journey that I'm kind of on myself. And so I'm always interested and curious to have conversations with people about about their experiences around this as well. There you go. There's a direct challenge audience. For those of you interested in exploring that as well, come find Laura on Twitter or LinkedIn. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to hearing more about your developing understanding of counselling skills and volunteer management. Thank you. Okay, so you're back in the room with us. That was the conversation that Jane had with Laura. It was uh, pretty interesting stuff. Um, Did you have any key takeaways you want to reflect on or share? So I think, um, I thought it was a really interesting conversation. And I think one of the things that I reflect on might be not what was obvious, which is that the power of learning outside our traditional roles and then what it can do to bring in, I think is an incredibly important thing. Um, and I also think more relevantly specific to the area of counselling skills, I think sometimes we can be afraid of things that sound technical or complicated. And I think it's really helpful to know, Laura mentioned, uh, as you heard, um, that the BACP have a little bit of information about how to use counselling skills in the workplace. And actually, there are some training around it that doesn't have to be full on qualifying as a counsellor. And I think I think that's a, you know, I think that's a really good step in the right direction. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That, that whole point around intersectionality of thought and ideas and, and how we can bring uh, ideas and, and innovation from different domains into our own role at work is particularly powerful. So, so that was excellent. Cool. Well, thank you for doing that. It's always a, a treat when you pick up and, and run a podcast. And likewise, when I when I do it, I'm sure it is as well. Well, you get to listen to something new and fresh. Yeah, it's also yeah. Yours. Yeah, fun, right? oh, it's super exciting. Cool. So if you're interested, those of you who are interested, don't forget, if you liked the episode or you'd like to hear more, uh, you can find us on Twitter at The Wild Podcast or James and I are also on LinkedIn. And of course, you can sign up for The Wild Mail at worldofwork.io. Good stuff. All right. Well, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of The World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.